welcome to this episode of Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. I'm your host, Melanie Burnicle. Today I'll be chatting with an amazing award-winning artist where we talk through her creative process, understanding personal brand, and the importance of being able to reframe the mindset in the studio. Please welcome my wonderful guest for today, Shella Martin. Welcome, Shella. Hello, hello. Just wanted to start off and have a chat with you, you know, about sort of your career history you know have you always been into makeup or what were you doing beforehand where did you think you might have been do you want the pr response or the truth maybe both just for fun to see the difference i love makeup i love color i played with it since i was four that's not quite the truth um i've always loved color i actually thought i was going to be a dermatologist I, i didn't even think that makeup could be a career so it was super interesting because all of a sudden I found myself actually having an arranged marriage that I was forced to have an arranged marriage and I had to leave my state, you know, I was in, um, I was in ACT and coming over here, I had no job, I had no family, I had nothing and I started picking up some makeup brushes and um, I definitely still was on track to be in my mind, this dermatologist, but um, it just took this, this wild ride that I couldn't explain and after 10 years, I was still doing it. So that's when I said, okay, maybe I'm a makeup artist. But it took me 10 years of acknowledging that I woke up every day and fell in love with something before I went, maybe I'm a makeup artist. So I, um, I didn't just blindly fall in love with this craft and dream of doing it and, you know, run around with brushes in my hands, creating rainbows in the air. Like I literally struggled through the idea that I wasn't going to be a dermatologist and um, had no one around me. And yeah, I found it. I found a new family. Oh, that's amazing. And so what were you doing work-wise with makeup in that time? Were you just work, what you know when you weren't sure that you um, were I did like a, a couple of week little Napoleon course. Do you remember Napoleon yeah. their courses? Yeah, yeah. I up, um, one of the four to six week courses, maybe it was six to eight weeks, but it wasn't that long. And it was you know attending twice a week and you know buddy up with someone, take a model one class, do a little bit of theory at home. And um, at the end of it, I remember the girl saying, "Oh, Shella, did you enjoy the course?" And I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really loved it." And the they were like, did you, did you learn much from it? And I said, oh, I didn't think I, 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 I did. And then they were like, well, I'm glad that you answered it honestly, because we, um, you know, as educators felt like you might've had a little bit of a leg up. And um, I said, oh yeah, my mum's a makeup artist. And they went, oh, this makes so much sense now. So I was actually offered the role to be a trainer with Napoleon quite early on, but um, unfortunately, because I still had this dermatology dream, I said, um, I can't take you up on it. I'm not interested at all. And they said, oh, well, did you not just do a course? And I said, oh, yeah, no, I just did a course to fill some time. Um, I'm still going to be a dermatologist. They're like, are you going to school? I went, no. They're like, how are you fulfilling this dream? I'm like, I don't know. And um, I said, but I'm going to go, you know, work in Maya as a spray girl for a little bit longer and then I'll maybe see what, you know, uni I can get into. And um, they were like, why don't you want to do the job? We can literally give you a job straight away. And I said, no, a makeup artist is not a real job. It's not a career and it's not something I would ever aspire to do. And I turned around and I walked out of there. Like I had some hidden secret of me doing this dermatology dream and I hadn't even taken my first steps towards it. So (laughs) 
I don't know, but 10 years later, I ran into one of the girls um, and she saw me and I was working inside Meyer at one of the counters and she was just like, did you actually make a career out of makeup? And I was like, yes, I did. <laughs> so I had this moment where I was like, oh my God, it's taken me such a long time to realize this is a career. It's a dream. It's fulfilling. And I love it. Yeah. It's amazing sometimes as well. I think depending on upbringing, because I remember my dad, when I said I wanted to do makeup was just, that's not a career. And no, it just, for me, it was just never a night. Like it seems like a, like finger painting in my mind or doing makeup at parties or something. I was like, there's no way you could ever pay a mortgage, have a family, do any of these things as a makeup artist. Yeah. It's nice. I think, you know, most people are grateful that you did. You know? <laughs> when, she, when she pulled me up in Maya and she was like, did you actually just make this a 10 year journey? Like, she's like, have you yeah. done anything else in this time since I saw you? And I was like, no. She's like, did you actually make a career out of this? And I went, yeah gosh i did i actually did now that was 10 years ago so a lot's yeah. happened that's amazing so tell us um so in the last year you've picked up a fair few titles do you want to uh, run us through some of these amazing awards you've been taking <laughs> <laughs> um picked up a lot of anxiety i probably want to put out there more than titles i would be like Shella won this, Shella hyperventilated for this length of time. Um, <laughs> it's funny, I was so afraid of showing any of my work. And so when I actually did enter something, it was kind of like with this, oh, I can feel the anxiety now, you know, putting yeah. yourself out there. You know, you don't get a performance review from your boss every six months. You know, you literally have to have a look at your bank balance or have a look at the work that you've produced in your editorials. And that's your only performance review. So, yeah, I did. I picked up seven awards last year, which was very exciting. Thank Yay. you. Um, <laughs> everything I had entered, I won. Um, it was the biggest thrill ever um across three different platforms which included two australian titles one editorial and one victorian so it's pretty exciting yes. yeah that's amazing honey and it just it goes to show like you know when you do put yourself out there you know it can come back and you learn so much mm, absolutely and it's um it's it's a humbling experience every single time that someone recognizes you for anything let alone to actually you know, have, have a little trophy at home to say, you know, this is confirmed, you did good. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask you as well, when you talk about like, you know, fear of putting your work out there, mm. what does, what's the main fear? Like when you, you know, when you first started, obviously, you know, you're kind of becoming a pro at the anxiety of putting towards, you know, putting a, you know, submission together. But what is it, um, what is the fear that was sort of, you know, you sort of saying in the beginning, mm, I don't know if I'm ready to put my work out there. Um, it's funny. I, it, it's not, it's not as scary as you think once you've done it. I think it's like, you know, when you jump off that five meter tower at the swimming pool, you know, for the very first time and you look down and you know, people around you are like, you can so do this, just jump off it. And you go, Oh, let me take a moment. Um, and then you jump off it anyway. And yeah. as you're falling down there, you go, Oh, I'm almost there. It's okay. It's yeah. the same feeling. Um, I put this fear aside because I just thought it was about time that I did. You know, and I just don't think you can have a time that you're like, well, you know what, I feel good enough or I feel accomplished because, you know, as you know, as a creative, your book is never how you want it to be. You're always kind of reaching for a different goal or, you know, you're 
you're thirsty for a new creativity in some way. And so you're never really completed. So I think sometimes we wait for our completed book moment or a completed folio moment. And as yeah. you know, that's never going to happen. If yeah. In fact, I, I, I would literally, if one person right now watching this interview has completed their portfolio and they're happy with it, just let me know because you're going to be the unicorn of the makeup world. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably across most artistic, you know, most artistic jobs because there's that, there's that something in you that wants to learn, wants to evolve and wants to grow. And that's where creativity for me is holds its strength. Yeah. I think, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they're retired if their book's completed. <laughs> You know, I've just, I've just never seen it. Photographer, stylist, makeup artist, hairdresser, never. Never once was someone's like, you know, my book's at a good place right now or my website's at a good place right now. Like it seems to be just this ongoing joke between yeah. everyone. Yeah, they're always wanting that little bit more. And it's, exactly. you know, I think that's a good that's, thing. It makes us better. Thing. You're thirsty to learn um, something else or you're inspired to create something new. Yeah, I think that's really nice. Talking about inspiration, how do you, what's your process when generating new ideas? Where do you look for, for inspiration? My process on new ideas, I actually like going into a fabric store. Oh, I like yeah. it. <laughs> so you can only imagine when I was staying in this hostel in France recently, when I walked downstairs, there's just like a million fabric stores everywhere. I was just like... <gasps> This is my place. This is my place. But um, no, I like to kind of go through and see how the textures sit together, how the colours come together. Um, for me, going into a Meyer or a David Jones is beautiful, but I feel like their particular seasonal looks and, you know, you never really know what you're creating. You know, um, if it's something which is more editorial, you're probably not going to be looking for the new summer collection. You know, you're going to be going in and trying to, I guess, create something which your mind is feeding off, you know, the energy. And I think if I go in and I have more of an open palette, something like a fabric store for me, it allows me to see, you know, these, these long lines of colour going up to the roof with different lights. Normally the down lights hit them at the top and then there's shadows at the bottom and... I can just see the way that it all kind of comes together. So for me, getting inspiration, flicking through a magazine, I very rarely collect things on Instagram. I'm really bad at mood boarding. I find it like really hard to do that. Um, I'm not really part of Pinterest too much. I've, I've tried to be on there, but I can't. But it's just walking around and creating something. I yeah. find as well, if I try and get too many mood boards together, I get disappointed because my model won't look the same, my lighting won't look the same, my styling won't look the same. So if I go in with something which is a little bit more blank to start with and then build on there. Cool. I really like that and I like the idea of the fabrics and I can see how that would work. If mm -hmm. well, When you're sort of working on an actual brief for a client or for yourself, with the whole process of the creative, like from going from one idea to the end finish, what is your process? Because everyone's so different. So mm -hmm. obviously like you're saying starting with the blank canvas and building, um, you know, but then what's your actual process within all of that? Mm. Normally I would take a lead on the client wanting to give me as much information from their mood to start with. And then I would try in that instance, pull pictures and images together because I find sometimes things can get lost in translation with the client. <laughs> and you have to be very, 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 very precise to um, also point out things to a client as well. Like you might send a reference, but you need to write down there, you know, I like this um, for its lighting. 
um, the difference between this natural look and this natural look is this one's got her waterline flooded with coal. This one does not, you know, this one she's wearing foundation, this one does not. So I've got to be very, very specific and I've got to normally put two or three options down. Um, so when we're working with clients, I find that process to be very, very exact and very particular and almost excruciating because, you know, you have to, you, you really are a team player there. You're not an individual mind. Yeah. I think that's really key when you are working with clients because if you can listen and deliver on their brief mm. with your input mm. and you get booked again. Exactly. And and as I said, like no one's going to come back to you afterwards, you know, for any, any of my assistants, you know, watching this now, like I'm not going to come back to you afterwards and say, hey, you did really good there. Um, I really loved how you did this, this and this. A client will never come back to you and give you feedback unless you've done something wrong. So sometimes that learning process can be quite brutal. Mm. And I think the further in your career you get, generally you you know what questions to ask and how mm. to be so particular that you're getting the answers that you need rather exactly. than generalising. Exactly. And knowing as well if you haven't heard from a client to put your hand up and to just ask and say, hey, let's chat about this or let's quickly have a little meeting and, um, you know, let's, let's look exactly <laughs> what you want me to do. Um, the other thing as well is sometimes people are afraid to ask a client. Um, the fear of asking the client is like, oh my God, are they going to think that I'm being too demanding or something? But unless you are on that same page with that client, you're not the right person for that job. Yeah. I 100% agree. You really have to not be afraid to ask the questions. And even if something's changing on set, you've got to exactly. put your hand up and say something because it's your responsibility. I remember having um, a brief one time and having a completely different human turn up and um, everyone <laughs> just wanted to tell me. And um, so instead of actually getting a girl ready, I was getting a boy ready. Um, but they still wanted the same makeup brief, which was still fine it was great but it was just the fact that all the dimensions were different height was different weight was different lights that all had to be reset up um the look was different um he'd forgotten to shave um and it was hilarious because we all sat there on set and we had a bit of a laugh because we'd all completely forgotten to inform each other um and in the end it took us about 30 minutes of having a cackle just to then go okay now let's just get back on track yeah I think that's a good thing as well to be able to laugh about because so many people have something in their mind and they can't shift it quick exactly. enough. That's really hard, yeah. Yeah, and when you can free up that space inside, then mm -hmm. the right message comes through and then the brief gets delivered again. But yeah. you've got to release that stress, I think. Especially when, um, and you would have experienced it too, where maybe a look has not worked and they've exhausted it and they've spent too long on it and all of a sudden they're swapping looks out on set but you're the last to be informed mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh gosh, like I've got seven minutes to now do an updo um, and a wing liner. And she looks like she's just kind of come out from a, a walk in the forest at this point, you know, and then your assistant will be like, Oh, sorry, we can't do that. And I'll be like, Oh wow. You need to stop talking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you just wasted 30 seconds of my time to change the look. <laughs> no, 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 don't worry, we can do it. And then the assistants are like, oh, I don't think we can. I'm like, oh, shh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you know, do you find that sometimes in those situations when 
you know, you've conceptualized something, the brief's still clear, and then when it does have to shift and it has to change and you've got to think on your feet, have you ever mm. come across circumstances where it's actually turned out, you're like, wow, I wouldn't have actually gone there, but this is great? Like, could you talk I us through? I, um, I'd arranged an editorial test um, not too long ago, maybe about 12 months ago, and I had this killer idea. And you know what? Yeah, don't worry. Like, I'm still going to do it. Like, it was just, like, the most phenomenal idea. And on set, um, all the chemical reactions wouldn't work together. So I'm sitting there looking like a mad <laughs> scientist in the photographer's kitchen, and I was just like, Come on, Shella, you got this. And then, yeah. like, you know, I had the stylist going and collecting me different types of salts and all the rest. I was just like, this particular thing is just not rubbing together and this is not working. And I was like, you know what? I just took a breath and I just went, okay, we're going to just change everything. And I walked out and it was one of my favorite shoots to date. Wow. So, yeah, it was pretty amazing. And within seconds, it was done. It was like, it's like something just came over me and I just like, my body just had this ecstasism moment and I just was like, <laughs> next, next. Yes. let's just get on with it. Is there something you do? Because to me, it sounds like you handle the high pressure situations quite well. And it also mm. sounds like you found an internal way to release that preconceived idea of what you're doing mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. be able to move on. Is there... Like, is there a quick little five minute meditation you do, or is it just something that you can switch your brain into? No, I just switch off and I go really calm. Yeah. I just, for some reason, I just go really calm and I just go, well, this, this is what the situation is. Just move on. Yeah. And you I know think... what? You cannot put that, you can't spew that onto everyone else around you because mm -hmm. the energy that can come down and then you know who gets affected? The model. Yeah. So even if you've done this wonderful job, if you're sitting there with this energy and you thrust that onto the model, um, the poor thing's going to be like, oh my God, I have to pick up the pieces. If I don't do this, then I'm letting down Shella, I'm letting down this person, I'm letting down that, that person. And I just feel like everything cascades into um, a whole myriad of emotions which are not required. And at the end yeah. of the day, we're normally there just getting a job done. Yeah. I think that's really nice advice because you do, people often don't think they see this beautiful, glamorous person who is the model and they don't take into account that they're absorbing all of your energy, all, all of the feelings. Yeah. And, and you might have someone who's really well seasoned, but the moment you have someone who's a little bit, you know, timid or shy or just kind of feeling out the water with their feet, you know, on their first maybe few months of working, they don't know when you're quiet, you're thinking. They don't know when you're loud, you're just expressing. They don't know any of this. And so they're going to also try and appease all those feelings and be everyone's best friend. And the energy that some of them can put out. Um, I think we need to kind of, yeah, think a little bit more about how they feel because they've had to, you know, please the photographer, please the art director, please the producer, please the agent, please the hairdresser, please the stylist, mm -hmm. please the assistants, please the runner. And then of course, the hardest one pleasing me. No, <laughs> But it's, it's really hard. And I just think so many people sometimes overlook the importance of the energy that you put out as an artist. And like what mm -hmm. you're saying, if you can control your energy yeah. and, and provide the person and in just, a chair that. And just pull it in a little bit and then just go, you know what? It has, does not matter what you do at this point. There's nothing you can do or change. That's so right. you just move on and it's for the greater good of the team to be able to do it. Yeah. And I think that also shows a level of maturity in an artist as well. Like I know mm. when I was young and 
you know, 22 years going into it now. But at the same time, it's there's something about when you're young and I think when you're first starting out, it doesn't matter necessarily young in age, it's more like young in a career. And I think when you are just there in the beginning, you're nervous. And then that mm. nervous energy, I remember you know, when you start to, or you see one of like your juniors do a wobbly mascara and they're nervous mm. and they're shaking, which makes the model nervous and the model's doing this, even though they don't need to be. Of course, so of course. It's something as simple as that with that energy transfer. And mm. I think the best way to guide, you know, younger people when they're coming up, like what you're doing with your assistants, is just show it's all doable. Take a mm. breath and take yep. a step forward. Don't be yep. caught up in the drama of not being able to achieve that idea. Yeah. And I think talk, sometimes, you know, um, having a little moment afterwards with your assistant and it's okay to let them know what you were afraid of that day because they may have been afraid of the same thing. Yeah. You know, um, I know one um, assistant, I oversaw her uh, blow drying. Now, the woman had really, really white bleached hair and dark roots. And my poor assistant is blow drying and 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 blow drying. I swear to God, there were, there were hairs that were pointing straight up. I was like, I didn't know you could even blow dry that good. <laughs> and um, I was like, why, darling, why, why are you still blow drying? And she's like, it just won't dry. And I went over and I just had a look and I just, you know, split the part with my fingertips and I said, oh, it's her hair's a little bit oily. Um, and so you can't actually dry oil with a hairdryer. And um, so, you know, it was a learning kind of moment there. Yeah. But then the model was also like, my head feels a little bit, you know, like it's getting quite warm now because we've had the dryer on it for a bit. And, you know, afterwards we kind of stepped back and I said, hey, you know, if ever something's not working and it seems really, really simple, maybe just come and quiz me at the same time, you know, yeah. like shell yeah. this isn't drying she has got aqua hair i don't know what's going on and it could be something <laughs> as simple as like yeah hey you know what so it's got a little bit of extra oil at the root and you know we yeah. just do a different hairstyle so but yeah talking yeah. about it afterwards i did sit down with my assistant afterwards and i said hey you know make sure that you you know you know you have a look at your wear and watch pop your mobile in front of you check the times um and you know feel free to always come and ask me if you need anything yeah, I think that's a nice thing to do because, you know, when you do have assistance, you are there to help guide them when mm. the time's right. Like in those yeah. moments, you've got to, depending on who's sitting in the chair, it's about timing as well. About exactly. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't, I know that um, some assistants will say to me, oh, Shella, it's really nice because I know that I can just, you know, just yell over two or three people's heads and I can be like, Shella, um, what type of mascara, um, curling twice, splitting the lashes, individuals. And it will just be a really quick sentence. And I'll be like, uh, yeah, definitely something, you know, like a Kevin Acquire or something, you know, like a, a, a Amina waterproof or something like this, you know, Idel flares, yeah. double ups. And then I'll just throw those information, that, that information back. And it's just like this quick conversation rather than coming and having to make a formal kind of time to see someone and yeah. they just roll on with their job because at the yeah. end of the day, they're on limits too. Yeah. You know, an yeah. assistant that takes twice as long to do something is not an assistant that's going to come back again too fast. Yeah. It's so true because time, yeah. time, energy, wealth, then my three things, which go with everything. <laughs> yeah, well, me and COVID, none of those apply. Um, just getting old, bored and sad. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm putting my time, energy and wealth, you know, towards a lot of things. I styled my flowers. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, actually, my blinds. I'm not alone in COVID. I'm not alone in COVID. Oh, hello there. I'm not alone in COVID. Definitely not. <laughs> 
it's, it's been good. It's been really good. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, now, do you have a mantra that you like to work by or live by? Not really. It's really funny. I feel like I'd be, you know, more in tune with those things, but um, I'm just, I'm just not. I think I'm just like calm, be a good person, start your day, you know, lick the chocolate off your cappuccino and just go. You know? <laughs> That's it. That's me. You know. I like that. I like it a lot. Now, I just want to sort of we'll chat into sort of a personal branding, you know, to mm-hmm. help other artists out there and understand why it's important. And I think my first question around that would be, what would be, what would define you as a makeup artist if you had to sort of put that into words around your purpose and personal branding? Hmm. As in, yeah, like, you know, people would know you for a certain aesthetic, you know, or would you like, you know, what's a message that you like to get across to the client about you and your mm. work? Things that define me um, would be that I love individual characteristics. So I'm always going to have a look and find the most beauty in each situation. So, you know, I'm going to see you and be like, gosh, you've got great lips. Gosh, you've got a great lash line. Like, I love the way you do your brows. You know, I'm going to look at those things and I'm going to yeah. pull those things out. And for me, I'm constantly looking for that beauty in someone. So I like to go in and still have those characteristics being seen and shown at the end of my makeup. You know, I know that sometimes when we think of makeup, we think about, oh my God, how can we reconstruct this person's face to make them look like a particular celebrity or a particular brand? And for me, I found that I was putting the same color foundations on people. I was putting the same lashes on people, the same eye colors. it all just became a little bit much and it was about this one season that I tried to be a little bit different and it hammered to me how much I like to actually look at people's features. So for me, I want to find the beautiful features in you and I want to do that with the most, I guess, strategic amount of trickery that I can possibly do. So I don't want to just kind of put on this one particular eye colour or set of lashes or this one particular brow style and be like, now you're beautiful. I want, I want to be working with what you've got. Yeah. I think that's a really nice thing as well in a world sometimes that can sometimes be a little bit people wanting to look so much like, you know, a standard or something, but that. And those people are absolutely drop dead, drop dead gorgeous. But at the end of the day, I mean, how nice is it when you, you know, roll over and you wake up with your significant other and they still look the same and you still look the same. Yeah. I think there's something nice about, you know, finding that uniqueness and individuality in people. And, you know, it comes from in here, you know, in the soul, but it also is part of the aesthetic. And it's Mm. a really beautiful thing to find that and also to share it with the person in your chair because quite often people see themselves in a certain way. Mm. And so when you share that little bit of information with them, they're like, oh. (laughs) And you see people's body language change and it's something... It's a gift yeah. as an artist you get to give to that person in the chair. Mm. And then, mm. I think it, that in itself is beautiful, you know. Exactly. I remember telling someone once, I was like, gosh, you've got nice sockets. And she was like, wow, I have never been told that. <laughs> and it was funny. We laughed about it for such a long time. Like I laughed that much. I needed a ventilator afterwards. Like I literally oh, yeah. started. <laughs> and um, I thought to myself, Shella, before you go and tell someone they've got nice sockets, maybe think about what that's like <laughs> for, the other, for the other person receiving the information. Um, <laughs> but you know what? She really worked those sockets. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. It's oh. hilarious because like she then she went on and she was like, I've learned all these new techniques. I bought all these colors and I don't know. It, it was so, it was something which was so funny and made me laugh so much. But um, in the end, it had such a phenomenal result. And you're right. It's telling someone sometimes that they've got something nice and uh, they might not hear it. Yeah. Yeah. I've always thought one of the things that I've had felt was a real privilege working as an artist was sharing the mm, beauty yeah. that you see in this person that yeah. they might not see in themselves because mm. you, know, you look at certain people and they you get up, you've got to spend five minutes on yourself, you go to work or you've got kids and you're running around and you just see the tired, the busy, the stressed, the, you know, it everything. Funny? It is. It's exactly what someone will sit down and, and say to me. They'll be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I haven't had my lashes refilled. I'm, I'm looking a little bit puffy. I'm looking a little bit tired. Um, my top lip's not so so full or, you know, they're just going to come out with all these things, which they're mm. obviously wanting me to Houdini, but I'm so okay with that, knowing what someone's fears are of that moment. But yeah, it's also nice to go, well, hey, hold on. That might be the case, but check out how fluffy your brows are and look at your lashes, you know, on the end. So look what we can actually do to lift up the eye, take away that tired and create different, um, you know, draw points to the eye. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, it's just people, it's, it's a really unusual thing that we all see sometimes that the hard parts of us, it just yeah, of and yeah, of course, not spending I mean, that time to go, oh, you know what, you know what, I actually feel good today. And, you know, yeah. I'm, you know, and about looking a bit deeper than just this and yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, for me as well, like, I guess, you know, I'm going through this 75 year braces treatment. So like for me, you know, like sometimes I stop and I go, gosh, I'd really love to wear this, this and this. And if ever I try it, I realize it's not that scary. You know, I, I'll put on that orange or do you remember Candy Yum Yum? Do you remember? Candy yes. Yum Yum? Oh, it was God, the I best pink on. lipstick ever. I put that on the other day and my mind just had this little popping noise. And I went, yep, your mind has now blown. And I just forgot how good I felt in it. You know, the way it made yep. your tan and skin come through. And I was <laughs> like, Shella, you're wearing braces. There's no way you can put on Candy Yum Yum. Um, but, I, you know, it's sometimes you've just got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think just, yeah, lose it all and just put it on and just feel good. I love that a lipstick can do that for you. Oh, my God. It's such a nice feeling, isn't it? When you just put something on and then you just walk out and you're like, I just, you, and, and this person that you become when you put on it, like yeah. a great new lipstick, oh, my God, it's such a good feeling. I love it. I'm all for a good lipo, lippy. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and lipo maybe next year. <laughs> I actually would be like, um, could you just transfer this lipo to my new account? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh God. All right. Going back to personal branding. Yeah. Would you say, like, would you be able to give someone in the artist world coming through, like, you know, some tips as to how to create something that's strong for them, like to mm. what to look for within themselves as to how they should project themselves? Yeah. Look, I think some of the things that have been memorable for me when I look at, uh, I guess, you know, either my up and coming assistants or even meeting new people, I always observe different things about them. And I guess that's where I guess I can make these comments now about what my suggestions would be for a new brand. Um, I find it sometimes nicer to say a little bit less and to listen a little bit more. Mm-hmm. 
So when you're thinking about what you want to be, take that step back and like listen a bit because a lot of things that you're curious about are going to come, going to come to you organically. And then I would say go through and maybe focus on doing three killer shoots and then sit back and have a look and say, do these align with how I feel about where I want to go forward in my career? Yeah. And then from there, that's when you'll start to realize who you are as a brand. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good, really good advice because when you talk, you're only speaking what you already know. Exactly. And when you're quiet. You're not taking anything else in. Yeah. You'll learn. You'll yeah. learn so much more sometimes. And I think part of people who, you know, extroverts and sometimes creative people and that energy that you have, the adrenaline can mm -hmm. sometimes just come out as blah, 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 blah. Exactly. And if you know what, and sometimes it is, it's, it's just, sometimes it's, it's your enthusiasm, you know, but as you're saying, like you aren't really pulling out things that are new for yourself if you're saying them. That's right. And mm -hmm. I think when you learn to control that energy, like we spoke about, and that could be mm -hmm. nerves, it could be however that comes up for you and shows its face. When you do, mm. you can direct that as calm and do it inwards to then come out. So it's coming out in a thoughtful, mindful, your creativity becomes a lot more clear as well. It does. It absolutely does. And you hear what the client's after and I feel like you can respond correctly. But then once again, it's not about you just pleasing your client. It's also about understanding who you want to be. So you will then realize, is that the job for me? Yeah. And I feel like you'll make those discoveries quite quick when you start to kind of have a look in the environments that you're putting yourself into. Mm -hmm. And you do, you have to trust what you feel as mm. well. And a lot if of people you walk away. Yeah, and don't feel great about a job either. There's also a lot of time for reflection. But I think finding out who you are as a brand is sometimes hard in a world if you feel like you don't fit in. But maybe this is where I think people should have, rather than see that you, you, know, you need to fit in, what mm. is it that makes you different and use mm. that? Mm. Because that, you know, sometimes it's your, I remember like a couple of years ago and I was, I mean, sort of writing like a, a, an article piece and I was really struggling and someone said, well, why are you just talking about the good stuff that's happening for you in business? Like mm. you're pretty much nearly bankrupt and that could be your draw card into having people really listen to you because yeah, you've exactly. gone from that to that. So mm. sometimes it's that uniqueness or your own journey that, mm. and that's something that makes you different, mm. something that can be used in a positive way to make you stand out in a good way. Yeah. I, I do remember someone saying to me one time, they said, oh, oh, Shella, like I hear that you hardly use foundation. And I said, oh, yes, uh, that's, that's true. I said, well, I just don't put it on first. I feel like if you need it at the end, we can talk about that. Um, but if you feel like you need it, also let me know. Um, and there's never been a time where I've, you know, been able to do great skin work where someone's gone, I need to have my face now flooded with a foundation because I don't feel good. You know, you know what, not one client in my history, my whole career, not one person has gone, no, nah, not good enough. So, you know, I mean, unless they're all saying it behind my back, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe they are but what I'm saying is sometimes when you hear someone say something about you as well you go hold on you're right that is how I've branded myself now you yeah. know so sometimes hearing that is a good um, sobering moment because then you can also establish as well how you are seen 
Yeah, I really like that. Now, mm. I just wanted to chat. Um, have you had, and this is sort okay. of people with resilient mindset and One things second, like that. I'm pushing cat off to, I'm pushing the cat off so he doesn't attack us. Yeah. <laughs> no, yes, no, you don't, Serge, mister. Sorry, I've got this. He's just like slowly just getting the cords and um, go on, go on. <laughs> Have you ever sort of looked back and gone, that was within itself what the end result might have been, like a complete failure, so to speak, but when you've reflected on a situation or a shoot or something within your career and just thought, you know what, that's actually taught me so much. And so kind of looking for the success in failure, if you've ever experienced and what allowed you to take that little bit of a look back and then find the success in that. Look, I think the shoot that I mentioned before where I had this giant experiment that I wanted to conduct on set and the whole thing was just, oh my God, it was a disaster. I can't even tell you the whole thing. But then what I did is I had no references um, no um, motivation for any other look, nothing. I literally just stood back and I looked at the situation and I went, now you're going to have to read this for how it is and what do you still want to put out there? And, you, and I had to come up with it like so, so fast. I think I only had about five minutes each makeup look. So it was just something that I was just like, you know what, you have to dig deep right now and you just have to take a moment and ultimately what's missing for you in your book and what do you want to see and you just have to give yourself this 30 second little interview in your mind and then just just put one foot in front of the other and for me that was that moment yeah and do you find now knowing that you've done that in a situation that was you know high pressure and something that you were really trying to achieve and it was big for you do you find now knowing that you can do that that you can mm -hmm. pull on that and say okay great I've got this if stuff happens. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, I, I know that was a personal situation, like it was something that I had created. I did have something that was pretty major that happened to me internationally, um, which was quite funny. Um, so I'm doing a Shuamara Art of Hair shoot. I'm the, um, the lead artist. I have got three assistants. One of the assistants was actually Mr. Shuamara's ex-assistant. Um, it was huge. In Tokyo, I had seven models. We had two looks. Um, we had the hair team going in full force. And I just went to the girls, guys, we're just not going to use any oils. We're not going to use any red through the eyebrows. We're not going to. And then one of the girls comes over and she stops me and she's like, Shalave, I can't speak English. And I went, oh, well, this is great. Um, so let's do that again. Um, so I've come out and I said, look, we're not going to have any red through the eyebrows. We're not going to use any oils. And then I'm interrupted again. Oh, Shella, we can't not use an oil. It's Shuamera. And I went, oh, no, no, no. I completely respect the brand. But the gowns are like $30,000 each. Like we're probably not going to use oils, you know, all up the neck and the face because we've got outfit changes and, you know, we go from here to the streets of, you know, Harajuku or down in those other areas. And I said, look, we probably just going to, we're, we're probably not going to do that, are we? And it was just the most lost in translation moment. And you know what I did? I trusted my assistants. That's where I went wrong. I trusted my assistants. I looked after two people on this side of the room and on that side of the room, I came back with oily skin, white 
foundations and red in the eyebrows. So I had to actually oh, wow. um, super politely ask them to all sit down and have a refreshing cup of tea while I removed all the makeup and I did all the seven makeups in about 30 minutes. <laughs> um, it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. And look, you know, uh, I did good. That's it. That's all I can summarize that with. I did good. Um, and, you know, the look was was beautiful. You know, glossy skin. Um, I'd used a lip liner on the eyes that had been smudged in with a gel across it but I, and then had like this perfect liner across it. And um, one of the assistants, she was so beautiful. She's like, um, she's behind me and she was video recording me and she was like, how do you do such precision? And... I actually turned around and had a little bit of a snort because I laughed and I said, oh, I didn't even realise you were behind me. I thought you meant to be having a cup of tea. And she's like, you do such precision. And she's like, thank you for having us. So, you know, if anything, yeah. I was able to, you know, show them a skill that I had learnt in my eyeliner. I showed them a new way of doing something. And um, I got a few thank you messages afterwards, actually. Even though in my mind, it was an absolute disaster at that time. Like, I was literally like, is that bag I can hyperventilate into? Because I'm going to need it. <laughs> like, I'm literally like, and then my producer's like, You're, you've got this right, Shelley. You've only got so many minutes. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> wow yeah 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 it was, it was a lot and you know what it was such a great shoot such a yeah. great shoot yeah I love that always always good key learnings always what, what um would you say like has been sort of one of your proudest moments in your career so far uh I'm gonna say my awards from last year taking out yeah. seven awards was um, pretty special for my heart last year. It was a really um, turbulent year for me. And just to be able to have that peer recognition, you know, even even if I had just had the recognition and not the award, I think it would have been a moment for me that filled me with, um, you know, a sense of happiness and joy and confidence. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Shella Martin, thank you so much for joining us today on Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. <laughs> thank you, Dylan. Thank you for having me. It's been such oh. a pleasure. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of Brilliant Brains and Beautiful Minds. I'm Melanie Burnicle. Till next time.